Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Dwayne Spearman, and welcome to Directional Bible Ministries. Uh, this is a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. Today is February the 22nd, and we are going to continue our study through Romans chapter number 11. Uh, last time we were together, we got down verses 1 through 5. So we'll pick up today in verse number 6. I just want to continue to encourage you that um, um, we... Uh, we do have, what was I going to say? If I go here, what happens? Nothing happens when I do that. Why? Because you know? I don't know. Good question. Let's see. Gallery. Uh, my name is Dwayne Spearman, and welcome to Directional Bible Ministries. Uh, this is a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. Today is February the 22nd, and we are going to continue our study through Romans chapter number 11. Uh, last time we were together, we got down verses 1 through 5. So we'll pick up today in verse number six. I just want to continue to encourage you that um, um, Well, good morning again. My name is Dwayne Spearman, and welcome to Directional Bible Ministries. Uh, this is a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. Uh, this recording is for February the 22nd. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them with me to Romans chapter number 11. Uh, last time we, get, we were together, we looked at uh, verses 1 through 5. So today we're just going to do a brief review and uh, start in verse number 6. Um, just want to encourage you, my study notes are online, if you want to check those out at duanesperman.org. There you can also find um, all of uh, my notes and links uh, to the videos and links to the audio files uh, if you want to continue to to listen and um, also uh, remember the Book of Acts, uh, a mid-Acts perspective is available online uh, via Kindle and paperback, um, and uh, I encourage you to check that out. We just finished that study, 40 sessions, I think it's about 250 pages. Um, it's a work in progress, uh, uh, so uh, I continue to edit it here and there as I read. Of course, I, I can't even imagine how people years ago would write a book and order a thousand copies and then get the thousand copies and figure it out that uh, the title was spelled wrong <laughs> or something like that. <clears throat> of course, now we can just uh, edit and uh, re-upload the manuscript and within a couple hours it's been corrected. So thank goodness for that. Uh, so... Um, 
Anyway, uh, let's go ahead and open our Bibles to Romans chapter number 11. Let me pull up my notes here. Um, some people have asked about um, the software that I use. My The software that I use is eSword. Um, eSword is um, it's free. Uh, eSword is given freely to all. It is illegal to sell copies. Please report any violations. But eSword is, um, it comes free with KJV and KJV Plus. And they do have some other translations that are also free uh, that are less known. Uh, but if you do want to add things like, you know, the NAS or the NIV or the new KJV, um, those things, uh, you just have to pay for that. Also, it comes with some commentaries. I really enjoy Albert Barnes. Um, you know, you just go to, you know, if I'm at, at Romans chapter number seven uh, in my notes, uh, and if I click commentaries, um, like if I'm in Romans 1 and I click here, it's going to come right up to my commentaries on Romans chapter number 1. Um, I enjoy Albert Barnes. Uh, I enjoy E.W. Bullinger. Uh, I enjoy David Gusick. Um, very good study notes there. And, of course, C.I. Schofield, his notes. You can also get those. I think the only one I had to pay for here was David Gusick. Um, and then uh, TSK cross-references. So anyway, just a, you know, a great tool uh, to use. I encourage you to check it out, esword.com, and it's free, you know. So um, let's, uh, last time we were looking at um, Romans chapter 11, verse number 1, I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. So uh, as we talked about, uh, Paul is asking a rhetorical question. The obvious answer is no. God has not cast away his people because I'm also Israelite. I'm of the seed of Abraham. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. Um, God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. Want ye not what Scripture says of Elias, how that he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying? So he um, talks about how that he for God foreknew his people. Um, and that Elijah, just like Elijah, you remember when Elijah was saying, I'm, I'm the only one, they've killed everything, and yet God said, there are many more, Elijah. You're not the only one. Uh, so he, he uses that example to show that God is not through with his people, just like he wasn't through with his people with Elijah. Um, Lord, they've killed your prophets, they've digged down your altars, and I'm the only one left, and they're coming after me. But God said to him, I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who've not bowed their knee to Baal. So you're not alone, Elijah. I haven't, uh, I haven't cast off my people. Even so then, at this present time, now Paul brings it up to this present time. And of course, the present time is the time in which Paul is speaking. He says, even at this present time, also, there's a remnant according to the election of grace. So, this present time, during which there was a believing remnant in Israel, as Paul is writing this, there is a believing remnant in Israel. And, of course, the ones that did not believe, he tells us down in verse number 7, 
that they have been blinded. Uh, in verse 7, what then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election has. And who are the election? The election were the believing Jews. The Jews who had embraced the kingdom message, um, they had obtained it, but the rest were blinded. And of course, he goes on to say down in verse number 14, that God desires that all of them, um, you know, he desires to see them saved. Um, um, and understand that the context, we talked about this, dictates that the elect here is referring to the Jews. It's the elect. You can't read Romans, this section, and start coming up with a doctrine of election. Uh, you can't do it from these verses. Uh, I don't think you can do it from any verses. But certainly here, context dictates that the elect is referring to the believing Jews who had embraced the kingdom message. <clears throat> Remember that Israel's salvation, we've talked about this, was a national salvation, unlike our salvation, which is an individual salvation. The kingdom gospel was a national gospel. The entire nation had to repent in order for the kingdom to be restored, and they didn't. Uh, today, the gospel of grace is an individual, that if thou shalt believe in thine heart, it's different. Um, and of course, we talked about how that the kingdom uh, is based upon a promised covenant. Um, the fact that the Jewish nation rejected the offer of the kingdom means that they are not under the new covenant. They were tied to each other. The fact that they rejected the kingdom means they essentially rejected the new covenant. Um, that's why I... Yeah, again, I've had to learn how to redefine terms. Uh, not how to redefine terms, but to um, understand that there are terms that we use in the body of Christ today that has nothing to do with us. For example, elect. I don't think that term has anything to do with the body of Christ. Um, the word born again, I think that term... When Jesus said, Nicodemus, you must be born again, it's Israel who is Israel, is God's firstborn son. Um, the word bride of Christ, um, I've used that term a million times, you know. <laughs> We're not the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ is the house of Israel. Um, the word covenant or new covenant um, you know, covenant theology falls apart just on this alone. Uh, we're not under a covenant with God. We have never been under a covenant with God. The house of Israel is God's covenant people. Now, in order to make us under a covenant, we would have to replace Israel with the church. And that's what they've done. That's the only way you can arrive at those things 
is by saying that the church is now Israel. All of the promises that was given to Israel is now for the church. And of course, the Protestant fathers, the Protestant reformers, the Roman Catholic Church, I mean, they've done that. You know, and anyone who goes down that path today, that's the only way you can do that. And of course, that means that you're going to have to go in and you're going to have to spiritualize text. And to me, it's going to start with Acts 2. You're going to start saying that Acts 2 is all about the birth of the body of Christ. Uh, which it is not. And then from there, they start working backward. The church has always been and the covenants, you know, and they're just going to build off of this. Uh, and I think it's faulty. I think it's erroneous. Um, um, you can't get there from here as far as I'm concerned. So redefining terms um, is going to have to happen, spiritualizing the text, you know, and of course, you know, we dispensationalists are very quick to point to um, reform types and say, you guys are spiritualizing the text. Well, we turn around and do the same thing. You know, we get to Revelation, we start spiritualizing the text, we start inserting the church, uh, the Hebrew epistles, Hebrews through Revelation. You know why they're called Hebrew epistles? Because they were written to Hebrews, they're not called Gentile epistles, they're Hebrew epistles, so we start inserting the church there. Um, we start inserting the church in um, in the Gospels, we start inserting the church in, in the first chapters of Acts, you know, we just, insert, we just insert the church everywhere, we see it everywhere, you know, we go back to the Song of Solomon, and we spiritualize that, and say, you know, that's Christ and his church. There was no church. Uh, the church was a, a mystery that was hidden that no one knew until the Apostle Paul found out. None of the twelve knew. None of them. Until Paul went back to the Jerusalem Council and enlightened them in that regard. And even Peter, you know, said, you know, Paul writes things that are just hard to understand. Um Paul was the first one to know these things. So, again, I mean, good dispensationalist, we spiritualize the text um, just as we accuse the others of doing. Uh, I have learned to interpret the Scripture literally, 100% literally, um, unless the text itself dictates otherwise. So we get in trouble. Uh, so, back up here in our notes in verse number 5, even so then at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. So, there's a remnant. God's not through with his people. And we went over all of this. Uh, verse 29 talks about God uh, doesn't change his mind. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. And again, when he talks about my covenant is with them, I will take away their sins. You have to remember who he's talking to here. He's talking to the nation of Israel. He's speaking to them. Um, chapters 9, 10, 11. What about Israel? That's the question that is being answered in these chapters. It has to do with Israel. Now let's get back to verse number 6. 
And if by grace, then, it is no more works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. In other words, now, bear in line, see, even so then at this present time, there's a remnant according to the election of grace. Who is that remnant? The nation of Israel, the believing nation of Israel. And if by grace, he's still talking about the nation of Israel. And if by grace, then it is no more of works. In other words, their election was an act of grace, not an act of works. Uh, God had no reason to choose the nation of Israel except his grace. They didn't do anything to obtain it. Nothing to obtain it. And again, we'll look at these verses today and we'll say, you know what, you're saved by grace and you're not saved by works because if it's of works, then it's no more of grace. And if it's, you know, uh, and if works, it's no more of, of our work. Grace is no more of works. I mean, yes, we are saved by grace. But the context in this verse, this, this verse is talking about the nation of Israel. We're not saved by works at all. But the context of this verse is the nation of Israel. So we cannot extrapolate um, something from this verse that it is not saying. And that's what we do, and that's, what, that's how we get in trouble. So if it's by grace, then it's no more works, and otherwise grace is no more grace. Israel didn't do anything to become uh, the election of grace, uh, to become God's chosen people. They didn't do anything. And notice in verse 7, What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for. So Israel was looking for something, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. So what was Israel seeking after? Righteousness. Israel was seeking to be right with God. <clears throat> In Romans chapter 9, verse 31, But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, <clears throat> hath not obtained, attained to the law of righteousness. What was Israel looking for? Righteousness. In Romans 10, verse number 3, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness. And again, who are the they here? We got to pay attention to the pronouns. It's them, not us. They being ignorant of God's righteousness, they went about to establish their own righteousness and have not submitted themselves unto the righteous God. So what then hath Israel not obtained that he sought after, but the election has. Righteousness. Righteousness. Now, and of course, that righteousness came through the gospel of the kingdom, and the rest were blinded. Those who chose not to believe were blinded. Spiritual blindness. Now, notice in verse number 8. According as it is written... God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear unto this day. So, <clears throat> this is a parenthetical statement. 
which means it could go. You notice there's nothing after blinded here. There's no period there. But the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded unto this day. But Paul inserts this parenthetical statement in here and says, It is written that God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear. And David said, Let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down their back alway. So to justify what Paul says here, he goes on and he quotes two Old Testament passages to show that Israel's blindness was actually in God's plan. God knew that Israel certainly was going to crucify the Messiah, and we've talked about that. But God also knew that they were going to reject the kingdom message at Pentecost and after. And the and he quotes from Isaiah 29:10, For the Lord hath poured out upon you the spirit of deep sleep, and has closed your eyes, the prophets and your rulers, the seers, hath he covered. So we would, like I've said this before, we would have no way of knowing that that's what Isaiah 29, verse number 10 was referring to. But Paul tells us that that is referring to the blindness that would come one day to the nation of Israel because of their rejection of their Messiah and his kingdom. Now, notice in verse six, in Psalm 69, 22, let their table become a snare before them and that which should have been for their welfare, let it become a trap. So what God wanted to do for their welfare has become a trap. Let their eyes be darkened that they see not, and may their loins continually to shake. So Paul gives two verses to prove that this was already in the plan of God. You know, a lot of times we look back and we see Christ, you know, at his first advent, and oops, they they killed him. They they shouldn't have killed him. If you know, and the fact that they killed him now Pentecost is all about the body of Christ. The the Jews rejected their Messiah when they crucified him. And now God's turned everything to the body of Christ in Acts 2. What we fail to see when we talk like that is that they had to kill him. It was in the perfect plan of God that they should kill him. He had to die uh, so that their sins could be forgiven, which they committed under the First Testament, before he could offer them or legitimately offer them the New Testament. So it was in the plan of God that they would crucify their Messiah. It was at Pentecost, after his resurrection, that it was offered to them again. And they rejected it. And that was the final straw. That was when 
Israel went into spiritual blindness, and God raised up the Apostle Paul to take the gospel of grace to the Gentiles. So, Today, the gospel of the kingdom is no longer being preached, or at least it shouldn't be. It is, unfortunately. Uh, today, there's a hodgepodge of kingdom and grace being taught. Uh, you got to repent. You got to be baptized so that you can be saved through grace and not faith, and and faith not through faith and or through grace and not of, faith and not of works, lest any man should boast. You know, we take the two messages and we stick them into one. And I think when we get over into Galatians, we're going to find out that, you know, Paul said that's no gospel at all. That's no gospel at all. Uh, you can add uh, grace to the law, but you can't add the law to grace or it no longer is grace. And that's what we've done in the church today, unfortunately. Um Next time we get together, uh, we'll get down into verse number 11. I'm not in a hurry. Uh, the, the controversial text is right here. Gentiles being grafted in. What's he talking about there? Um, I, I don't claim to have all the answers, and Lord knows I, I, you know, I've changed my view on on things before, um, but we have to remember context is key. He's still dealing with the nation of Israel. We have to remember that. Had they stumbled, that they should fall. God forbid. So we have to keep that in mind as we're moving forward. If we don't, we're going to end up spiritualizing the the text to make it say something it doesn't say. Well, God bless you guys. Hope that you have a great day. Remember, God loves you, wants the best for you, and he's working all things out for our good.